How's working from home been going for you? Remarkably Remote from GoToMeeting will help you succeed in today's new normal. In just three minutes or less, we'll share simple but helpful tips to keep you on track. From managing your motivation, your workload, your relationships, to hosting and attending virtual events that keep you connected with your clients and colleagues. So check out Remarkably Remote on your favorite podcasting platform or head to gotomeeting.com slash tips. Welcome to another edition of the Metrospective. Pete McCarthy, Tim Britton. Tim, I, I ran through your neighborhood the other day. I'll keep it busy around here. Why are you taunting me with your your physical activity? One podcast after I just told you I'm a broken man from doing like five minutes of, of exercise. Well, the key is to do one exercise for a long period of time. Instead of that high interval <laughs> training that you're trying to do, you just jog at a slow pace for like an hour. You end up all kinds of places. You know, I did I did my my hefty workout today and and that I went to a grocery store for the first time since the, since our David Wright podcast. So it's been like two and a half weeks. Uh, but I did have to enlist the help of my fiance to carry all of the groceries the two and a half blocks home because it wow. was just too heavy. That's sore. How many frozen pizzas? I mean, that could really weigh it down. You know, we got the dough because, you know, we're trying to be creative. We can make our own pizza rather than just going with uh, the Elio's or DiGiorno. That's fine. We just got dough for the first time yesterday as well. This is what it's down to. This is where we're at, <laughs> making our own food and pizza from scratch here in the quarantine life as we hit, I don't know, week eight or nine of this whole thing. Uh, and it is, it's an important week as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. On Monday, the owners approving a proposal that they will make to the players on Tuesday in order to get this thing going. And the idea would be to play about 80 games it could be anywhere from 78 to 82 it would be regionally set up so the al east the nl east they would all play each other those 10 teams same thing in the central and then the west so the mets would not play say the cardinals they wouldn't play the dodgers you wouldn't see those teams the cubs uh, but you would see the yankees the red sox the orioles quite a bit in addition to the nl east squads and it, it also seems like a designated hitter will be in line, which is a, a huge boon for how the Mets have put together their team. And I know we've touched on this in the past, Tim, but uh, what do you make of what we've heard about what this 2020 season might look like, at least in the minds of the owners to this point? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you said it. This is a big week for Major League Baseball. This is probably their biggest week uh, really since, since spring training was suspended back in March to get a sense of of what this plan is and, and what needs to be ironed out aside from kind of the health concerns. You know, obviously that like that is kind of outside the control of, of Major League Baseball and the Players Association, but there are certain financial things that have to be ironed out. Basically, uh, the, the owners would like the players uh, to submit to a kind of essentially what the Players Union is calling a salary cap. Uh, where how much they make is tied to uh, how much revenue Major League Baseball makes this year without fans in the ballpark for a large portion, if not all of the season. Uh, players, as we've talked about, have kind of viewed their salaries as as a as something that was already negotiated back in March uh, when when they made kind of that first agreement uh, about what would happen this season. You know, I, I'm I'm interested for for you as a fan. 
Uh, like, how do you feel about the East versus East aspect of this? Are there teams in the National League outside of the NL East that you will miss the Mets playing? Are there yeah. teams you're excited to see them playing more? Like, is this is that a net positive or a net negative in your mind? The three that I named, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Cardinals. The Cubs, Cardinals, historically have been rivals of the Mets, and you could kind of put the Dodgers on that list with 2015, 2006, and some of the bad blood there. But those are games that I tend to always look forward to, right? Uh, You had the issues with Pete Alonso and the Padres last year, and and Chris Patrick, we won't see those two go head-to-head. So you do miss a little bit of that. But I'm trying to think, you know, the AL East, of course, you have the Yankees, A number one. Uh, It's you know, kind of fun to play the Red Sox just as something a little different, but that's not a team that necessarily excites me this year after, you know, they traded Mookie Betts. Uh, you know, the rest of the AL East, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, I don't think anyone expects those teams to be great, even though the, the Blue Jays do have some young talent. I guess you'd have Marcus Stroman going up against his former team a few times, but, and the Rays don't do a whole lot for me. So I, I feel like you do, it's different, and, and maybe that'll be somewhat fun, uh, but there's not like a natural rivalry or a team you have bad blood with or a player you have bad blood with or a former Met or a whole lot of that going on between these two divisions. Yeah, there, there's a novelty aspect of it that yeah. could be interesting in a season that's going to be really novel if, if, if and when it happens. Um, but you do miss, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking from a, a selfish perspective and, and who knows, I don't know if I will be traveling to any road games or something like that uh, as a media member. We don't know what media access is going to be like, but just think like, oh, I don't get to go to, to Dodger Stadium. I don't get to go to, to San Francisco, what, what are they, whatever they're calling it now, Oracle or AT&T or Pac Bell or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't get to go to Wrigley. You know, th- those are the, play- the the trips you look forward to over the course uh, of a season as a writer. You'll uh, just be on you know, Amtrak and, the whole time. And, and yeah, you know, Boston is nice. Baltimore is nice. I, I always liked going to Toronto uh, as, as a, a reporter in the AL East. Uh, Tampa is uh, Tampa. Uh, no comment <laughs> beyond that. Uh, and, and I think the interesting thing from the Mets perspective is – uh, I actually haven't done the research on whether that schedule is is harder for them on a per game basis or easier. I think you're hitting the AL East at probably a better time than than most years because mm-hmm. the Yankees are obviously going to be going to be good. The Rays should be pretty good, but beyond that, you know, I, I think the the Red Sox. I don't know what their Pakoda win projection was. I think most people thought they were maybe a little bit better than 500, but that's a team that was before Chris Sale went down. I think. You know, the, the Blue Jays, you know, they might be a, an 83-84 win team, but they're probably not a team knocking on the door of a normal playoff race. And then the Orioles are, are, along with Detroit, the worst team in the league probably. So I think that probably helps you with the Mets. And then if, if we're getting a an expanded playoffs with seven teams, uh, well, th- then there, there you might get your, your matchup with, with St. Louis or L.A. In a, in a first round of the playoffs, that kind of thing. How, how do you feel with seven teams? Certainly, like, this, this should make, the Mets should be part of a seven-team playoff, right? Like I would they think They should so. be part yeah. of that group. No, you'd hope so. And you'd think about it. It's really it's half the teams, essentially, so slightly less than that, making the postseason. And I suppose in a season where the schedule is, I mean, forget about unbalanced, you don't see two-thirds of the teams in your own league. So you think about, you know, what wild card 
ramifications might look like. How do you compare the Mets record to, say, the St. Louis Cardinals record when they don't have any common opponents at all? So I understand why you would expand the playoffs in this one case, in this, as you called it, novel season. But it's something that I don't like in general. I, I hated the idea that was floated in the offseason of expanding the postseason. I think for a sport where you play 162 games, you don't need to make the postseason more important and the regular season less important, especially with all the changes over the decades anyway. So, um, you know, to me, I, I don't I don't love seven teams in the postseason. But for this year, which is going to be half as many games, if they're lucky, uh, I, I certainly understand it. And yeah, from a Mets perspective, it gives them a little bit more of an opportunity to get in there. And then once you're in, right, I, now you're talking about best of five series, maybe best of seven, depending on what the situations might be. Uh, you might have some, you know, one and done kind of games early on in the postseason, depending on how they put it together. And if you have Jacob DeGrom on the hill and you can use and abuse him in the postseason, maybe you, you could be a dangerous team. Yeah, like back when we had the BCS for college football, uh, I always thought like it, there was there was an argument to be made that that is the best system for determining the best team. It's just like pick the two best teams at the end of the season, have them play. Uh, but that college football was the worst sport for that because it was on the most uneven terms. You had no idea, you know, you you kind of assumed the SEC was better than the Big Twelve or the the Big Ten, but you didn't know on a year to year basis and and. Uh, having such unbalanced schedules meant that you probably have a bigger playoff system. And, and certainly that's the case for Major League Baseball this season. Let me ask you this. Like, let's say the Mets make the playoffs as five, six, or seven seed. Um, let's, let's say six or seven. So they would not have made the playoffs in a normal normal year. Um, and they lose that first round, like which I think might be uh, – look, we're, we're uh, kind of assuming it's going to be kind of like the playoff system Joel Sherman – uh, suggested in spring training that baseball was kicking around, which is seven teams, uh, you know, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five, or they get to choose their opponent, but it's a three game series. You know, let's say the Mets are six or seven seed. They play uh, St. Louis in the first round and they lose two right, away, right off the bat. Does that, in your mind, did the Mets make the playoffs? Does that count as making the playoffs? And the same, like, did the 2016 Dude, Mets make the playoffs? You, we could take this much bigger. If the Mets won the whole thing, does that count as a championship? And it, look, it, it does, right? It'll go in the record books. But when you have a season that's so different than everything that's come before it and likely everything that comes after it, uh, what do you make of that? It's kind of its own thing, its own tournament. Uh, think about it from a fan's perspective. If the Mets are to say win the World Series, which we'll say is played in November, are we at a point where people can congregate in bars and watch on TV or are there able to be people at the game or is this something where people are getting involved in a sporting event where the community is often such a big part of it being around other fans especially if you're going to have a great moment like a championship and instead everybody would be separated in their own houses and apartments and you know maybe they have a met flag that they wave outside or go out and bang some pots and pans after the Mets win playoff games but can you imagine what that might be like, depending on what our world is looking like once we get to the fall? Look, you know, I don't think the 1981 Dodgers have have taken that pennant, that banner down at at Dodger Stadium just because the Reds actually had a better record than them all season long. And the, but this will be so much season. different. Yeah, like I think you know, I, I saw some people compare. You know, no one takes away uh, the '99 Spurs or whichever Heat 2012 Heat. 
uh, championship in the NBA when they had lockouts. And that, you know, that's the, the playoff system was the same for those seasons. It was just a shorter regular season. Uh, and there were fans the NBA, in stands. Which the NBA should adopt anyway. Yeah, so I, I think this would be the weirdest of anything. Um, and, it, and it's not just going to be Major League Baseball. If we get any part of the NHL and NBA back for kind of an abbreviated playoff runs, maybe in bubbles, uh, it's going to be a really weird system. And, and we'll have kind of that I. I don't think there will be an actual asterisk, but there'll be yeah. a mental asterisk for at least a while uh, in the the common memory. Um, but I, you know, I, I think if you're asking a Mets fan, you know, do you want to win the 2020 World Series? Uh, they would say yes. I, I think offered the chance to win either in 2020 right now or like 2021 or 2022 when it's kind of a more normal season. Maybe they take the uh, they take the other, but uh, beggars can't be choosers here. You know, it's interesting, something I had no idea about, and it just goes to show enough time goes by. But during the Spanish flu pandemic, right, a, a hundred years ago, a little more than that, the Stanley Cup wasn't completed. One of the teams had to forfeit the final game because the whole team essentially was ill. Uh, and, and one of the players even died of the disease. Uh, so, you know, like, as a hundred years later, so you don't, necessarily think about it you just look in the history book okay this team won and that was that and, and you don't think about the idea that you know this stuff can happen and uh you know affect in, in such a vital way and then after a while yeah you're just etched on the stanley cup you got your championship and no questions asked and and it, look that's that's really one of the fears you have if you're baseball well, and one of the reasons i think at the moment the proposal is to try to get the World Series over as quickly as possible is not to extend it into Thanksgiving or, or beyond that the way some some of us thought it might look. Uh, you know, right now it's basically like you play from July 1st on to the end of when the season would have ended otherwise, and then you just have a little bit longer playoff system uh, in the month of October. You don't want this where, okay, it was fine to play for a certain stretch of time before the winter came back and you had uh, a second uh, outbreak or, or a period where it was less safe to congregate this way, uh, and all you did was play a couple uh, a couple months of regular season games instead of actually getting a, a champion in there. Uh, so uh, it is interesting, you know. And, and we, we're, we talked earlier about the financial stuff. Uh, it is, I think, the main concern is still from a, a medical standpoint. Uh, you know, what do you do if someone gets sick? What do you do if if a couple people in the same clubhouse get sick? Uh, we, we've talked about it a lot, like. That, that is a Petri dish, a clubhouse. I don't know what extra precautions you can take. I know teams have tried to take extra precautions when they've had flu outbreaks, for instance. Uh, we had that in, in Major League Baseball a couple of years ago where you know I was covering the Red Sox. They had like five or six guys come down with serious cases of the flu uh, where they couldn't play for an extended period of time. Uh, and, and that was going on in different clubhouses across baseball at that point. Uh, just how do you control that? Uh, and, and we've talked about the testing you need and all that but that's still the biggest hurdle and that's still you know this plan doesn't address any of that yet yeah uh, and look this was a problem in japan when japan thought they had a beat on this and they were going to be able to play baseball and then some players tested positive and ultimately they had to uh, abandon what those plans were at the time uh i was reading too they want to bring back soccer in europe uh so in bundesliga 2 right it's the german second division league there's a team dynamo dresden where a couple of players tested positive for coronavirus this week they're expected to start up their season at the end of this week and so the whole team is being forced to quarantine for two weeks 
and they have three games in that time. So what do you do? You just forfeit those games if your team is quarantining. And as you mentioned, if one player on a team comes down with a positive test, they've already been around and exposed their teammates. So how do you say, okay, we're just pluck this guy out and then we know everybody else is fine when it seems like they, the whole team would likely be asked to quarantine for two weeks of time. If you're having an abbreviated season, that's a lot of games, especially if this is, you know, picking up with say the Mets for two weeks and then the the Red Sox later and, you know, uh, multiple teams get hit by this. Yeah, I was reading, um, you know, Sean Doolittle on Twitter put out basically a thread of his concerns as a player about the the health aspect of it. And he had pointed to something Dr. Anthony Fauci had said about the NFL coming back is, you know, if you've got three or four guys in your locker room testing positive, it's too late. Like, you, you know, one guy you might be able to pick out and isolate and get by with. But once you've got three or four, that means you're transmitting it within the clubhouse. That means guys who, who might not test positive today might have it uh, two or three days from now. Uh, and then you're, you're looking at a situation where you can't play as a team for an extended period of time. Uh, so that's that's what you've got to answer. And, and uh, look, this proposal is, is ambitious. It's optimistic. Uh, we'll see what it looks like officially, I guess, in the next couple of days or, or by the end of the week. Um, and I, I still don't think it's going to happen exactly as laid out there. Uh, you know, I think it might have to, if you want to play 80 games, it might have to be pushed back a little bit. I think it, it's probably too difficult right now, at least in New York, to imagine uh, them having a spring training in New York in mid-June or having games in New York at the start of July. That That's tough to see at this point. Uh, and I really hope that's what happens, but I'm just not optimistic about it in, in quite the same way maybe the owners are. No, in my opinion, look, it have a plan. By all means, talk about these things. Work stuff out with the players before it reaches a point where, hey, you can play. Have, have an idea of what you want to do in case the situation does work out in a positive enough way that you can put it all together and make it work. There's nothing wrong with planning, with talking about this, with the owners, the players, trying to figure it out along with health officials and politicians, right? I mean, this is something that we have to do with all businesses, but this is something that, you know, baseball should absolutely be doing the legwork on. But you have to understand, even if the players and uh, everybody right now could agree, okay, this is going to work. As Anthony Fauci has said many times in many different situations, the virus will dictate what you have to do and what comes next. And so yeah, things change as you know, sometimes they do and um, they can, then you, you have a different situation. But there's nothing wrong with planning this out and making sure you're ready in case it is that best case scenario and you can make it work. In your mind, how long does the season have to be for it to feel like a real season? I mean, is, like, is is it already? I mean, I, I imagine already it doesn't feel like a real season, but uh, like, let's say the season's thirty games, uh, or you just go straight to a tournament. Does that feel at all like a World Series to you, or, or do you even have to call it something else at that I, point? I guess if there's baseball every day, it would be fine. I honestly, the whole thing's not going to feel normal. Uh, as terms of feeling real, I mean, for all I care, they could go straight to a tournament and have 30 teams and do some kind of round robin early and just totally bastardize the whole thing. I mean, throw the whole 
regular framework of a season out the window, and you know, that would be fine with me as well. I mean, play a round robin within the division, and let's say, I don't know, four of the five teams move on after a week's, of pl- a week's worth of games. You play each team twice or something, and then you go straight into some kind of postseason. I mean, that doesn't bother me. I, I just I want to see competition. I want to see sports. This is what I enjoy. This is what I talk about. This is part of how I make a living, obviously. So I, I, I'm just interested in seeing games and competition, and I, I think all of it is going to be strange. Like I said earlier, I, I don't even so much care about what is competitively feasible where you feel, oh, that's a true World Series champion. I just think it's going to be so weird for fans because you won't have that community, that connection with other fans. And I, I wonder how much a part of that that is. Now, I know it's social media that'll and has helped break down those barriers. But for people who don't follow things in that realm and that are accustomed to you know, going to games or going to bars and talking to people there, you're really going to be missing something, especially if it is you know, supposed to be an exciting time. You don't have that high. You don't walk around New York City and see people wearing Mets hats or... You know, if the Yankees went on a run, all the Yankee stuff that comes out, you'd really be missing something with all that. It would be hard for, I think, a a city to feel like they're in it together if they're they're not together in the usual community gathering spots. Yeah, that is so much of the fun of October baseball, you know, especially baseball to me, uh, is being in the bar, being able to, to... get together with a group of people that, that you know or don't know and, and bond over. Or you know, yeah, argue like with someone at work about who's better, the Mets or the Yankees. Uh, you know, it's it's not just even when you're watching the games. Like, it's part of just the daily, hey, this is the icebreaker conversation. You talk about the weather, and then you talk about a baseball team or something around here. And if you're not interacting with that many people, then obviously it, it might not feel as important as it usually would. Yeah, it's like since coming back to New York after covering the Red Sox for a while, like my, you know, my family, we all grew up Mets fans. They didn't care what was going on with the Red Sox. Now, when when a regular season is going on and, and like I talk to my brothers or my parents, they, they just they, they buffer me with questions about what's going on with the Mets and all this and all that. Uh, and, you know, we, we had a, a Zoom call over the weekend and <laughs> my dad at one point was like, Anything else new? No? Okay, let's move on. <laughs> you know, just, you, got, you don't have that, that whole sphere of things to talk about that we're used to. No, it's Groundhog's Day, so really nothing changes from, from day to day. It's been, uh, you know, kind of the same old story after a few minutes of conversation with people that you check in with regularly. Uh, next podcast, we got another big guest. We'll tell you about that in a minute. But Tim, are, are you a morning person? Are you a guy who gets up, attacks the day? No. No, I am <laughs> no. not. <laughs> well, I think I have a, a thing for you. Now, I'll often hit the coffee, and that'll get me going. But I'm reading about here hydrant. So, you know, 75% is walking around dehydrated. We don't have what we need. It can leave you with headaches, energy slumps, poor, poor focus. Like when I go on my runs, and then I, you know, I'm dehydrated the rest of the day. Uh, but you can have hydrant in the morning it it hydrates you it gets you going uh basically it's flavored electrolyte packets that you mix directly into water it makes hydrating your body easy and delicious now i haven't had a chance an opportunity yet to try hydrant just made the order uh but i'm looking forward to diving into this get out of the caffeine habit uh mix it up so uh, i'll be telling you how how it goes here with hydrant 
Uh, but certainly excited about you know, getting some of the electrolytes that you need and, and not doing it with a ton of unhealthy sugars. Uh, so listen, for listeners here to the Metrospective, you can get 25% off your first order. Go to drinkhydrant.com, enter promo code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com, promo code ATHLETIC for 25% off your first order. Again, drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code ATHLETIC. Tim, you want to share who our big guest is going to be next week? Are, are we allowed to share it yet? I, I wasn't sure if we're supposed to hide it or if uh, or if we can let it out there that it, it's probably the best for defensive first baseman of all time. Mm. I guess people can stew on that and maybe they could figure it out from your hint. Who could it I feel be? like I feel like if he heard it, he would yell at me for using probably. <laughs> that sounds right. Uh, Keith Hernandez will be with us on Friday morning uh, when the next uh, Metrospective drops. So we uh, look forward to catching up with Keith, what he's been up to, calling uh, Mets games for SNY's website of MLB The Show with Gary Cohen and Ron Darling and doing it all from home. So they've been keeping busy even without baseball. Uh, So we look forward to to catching up with Keith uh, next episode. But that'll do it here for another edition of The Metrospective. I'm Pete McCarthy. Take care. Tim Britton, always a pleasure, sir. Adios, Pete.